You're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a powerful conversation on what it takes to become enough and stay enough as we strive toward our potential. I'm your host, Enoughness Coach and Women's Leadership Mentor, Megan Hale. Join me every Monday and Thursday as I talk to some of the top voices on what it takes to live true, live brave, and become our biggest champion along the way. It's time to revolutionize the way you live, love, work, and dream. This is the Enoughness Revolution. Hello, leaders, and welcome back. You know, one of my favorite things about having a podcast is when I get to have my friends come on and we can just talk about enoughness and talk about our work and really share this space together. And today I'm speaking to one of my really good friends. She's, you know, we've connected, gosh, I don't know how long ago now, but she's just one of those people I can reach out to at any time when I need some support or I need an ear to listen and you know, it's the same for her. So I'm just so grateful for her coming on and sharing her wisdom and her story with you today. I'm speaking to Constance Lynn Hummel, who is a psychotherapist, a leadership coach, and business strategist who works with overachieving and often exhausted trailblazers and movement makers. She's passionate about helping individuals uncover the true values and beliefs that guide their decisions and empowers them to create personal and professional boundaries plus communication strategies that support the freedom they crave in work and play. You can connect with Constance at constancelin.com and you can find that in the show notes. I'm so excited to share our conversation with you. So without further ado, here is Constance. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everyone. I am so excited to have my guest, Constance Hummel, with me today. Constance, thanks for being here. Hello, how are you? I am doing so well. Now, all of our listeners have already heard a little bit about you professionally, but I always like to give my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves in their own words. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us what you do, who you are, what your passion is, all that good stuff. All the good stuff. Yes. So, well, my name is Constance Lynn Hummel, and I am a psychotherapist. I'm a leadership coach. I'm a business strategist, and and I work primarily with community leaders, trailblazers, and movement makers. So, um, people who are really at the forefront of, of of changing whatever system that they're a part of, and they have new ideas, and they're trying to innovate. And sometimes it can be tough at the top. Um, yes. So that's what I do, and I do that through. I have a few different businesses and a few different ways that I work with people, but that's kind of the, the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I love it. Cliff Notes it is. <laughs> so we are going to be talking a lot about enoughness, the vulnerable work of enoughness, and I know that you just came back from your Daring Way facilitation workshop with Brene Brown, so I'm so excited yes. to hear how that process <laughs> has kind of impacted you and the way you see this work. But we're also going to be talking about leadership, which is something that I know is your your area. So let us start by just talking about like from your own perspective, what is enoughness? So I, for me, I really look at enoughness is, is really just a peace in yourself um, and peace with yourself that it's, it's not dependent on other people seeing your worth, that you actually are able to look yourself in the mirror and like what you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if maybe there's there's growth to be done, it's it's not uh, we we kind of hit a destination of enough and then we just get to hang out there forever. Yeah. But it's just that acceptance of, you know, I I'm enough for today. I'm all I need to be in this moment, and 
and just being okay with that regardless of if other people agree with you or not. Mm. Yes. That can kind of be hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's very simple to say and excruciatingly hard to do. <laughs> absolutely. So will you tell me a little bit more about, you know, your process of understanding this concept on a personal level? So I, I think for me, it's really, um, it, it, it really was a process of getting in tune with, with my own values. Mm. Um, because I think that it's very easy to base our value and base our worth and, and just the, that, that answering the question of, am I enough with, with a bit of a, a consensus poll, um, of checking in with all the other people of, a, you know, if I hit all the markers that you think that I should hit in order to be enough. Yeah. Um, and, and I find that the, the only way to really counteract that is to, it's, it's not about not taking influence from other people, but it's about almost taking what they have to say and then running it through your own filter of your own values. Mm. Of, Does that fit for me? Yeah. Um, and in order to do that, you have to know what your own values are, um, yeah. which is always a bit of a process in itself. Yeah. I mean, we don't really talk about values so much in everyday language, do we? Mm-hmm. Oh, not at all. No. I always ask people, so tell me, what, like, what, are, what are your core values? And then inevitably I get a deer in headlights look. Um, (laughs) And then I like to tell people like, that's actually the reaction I was expecting. Uh You know, you didn't, this wasn't the wrong answer um, Mm -hmm. because it's not something that we talk about. We're not, we're not taught when we're little, you know, what's important to you. Um, It's often something that we've just absorbed either through our families or through society or through kind of variety of other things. And so we never really take the time to check in of like, does that still fit for me? Even as we go across our life, our values are going to shift and just that constant state of, is this still important to me? Is this still a priority? Yes. Yeah. And you know, the thing that comes to mind, that's like the closest thing to like mainstream values are kind of embedded in Danielle Laporte's work of core desired feelings. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit different than values, but I think when you're clear on how you want to feel, you're getting very close <laughs> to yes. what you hold important, right? Absolutely. So I love that that's kind of become more mainstream where we're like, well, what are your CDFs? Everybody's like, oh, exactly. well, this is how I want to feel. Like, all right, good. <laughs> we have some language to talk about that. And we're getting a little bit closer because I think that you're right. When we talk about enoughness, we're really talking about, you know, how we're measuring up to our own values. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have any clarity there, we have no basis of comparison or measurement um, yeah. to know how well we're doing, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, and there's actually been a lot of research on that with um, something called social comparison theory and kind of, kind of negative comparison and positive comparison. And the, and the thing with that is basically if we we're looking to figure out, like, am I doing better than you or am I doing worse than you? And unfortunately, if we don't actually have our own set of values or our own benchmark internally, what happens is, well, if I think you're doing better than me, that I must suck. Yeah. I must not be enough. But as long as I think I'm doing better than you, then I'm doing amazing and mm-hmm. everything's perfect. But it becomes so fragile because it's completely based off of factors that actually are completely outside of our control and yeah. usually you know, aren't very accurate to start with. Yeah. And I think that for me, um, you know, having a lot of experience trying to cultivate enoughness in that way is that you're mm-hmm. never really building authentic worth. Yeah. Because you're comparing something yourself to something outside of yourself that may or may not be important to you. Mm -hmm. And so authenticity is like a really big core factor 
of being enough. If, if you can't um, be your full self and embrace your full self, then you're always leaving like one piece of yourself out, like out of, out of the conversation. Right. <laughs> so um, that's why I always like to go ahead. I was just saying, I always just like to ask people when we, when we start to get down to even just like what's important to you and that first list that people list off and then like, is that, is that really important to you or is that what you feel like should be important to you? Yeah. Because when we really get down to what's truly important or truly priority or truly a value, it's often very, very different than that first list that we spout off. That one's usually completely built off of somebody else. Yeah. And, you know, I can really identify with that. And, you know, I'm pregnant with my first child. And for a long time, I was just having a, another conversation with someone else. And they're like, you know, I've always wanted children. And for me, it, I, it wasn't that. Um, I had to really sort through, like, do I want a child because I'm told that's what I should want? Or do I want a child because this is a real core desire of mine? And it took me a while to kind of peel through all of those different layers because the impact <laughs> of what is like socially acceptable is so intense. Exactly. So it's, it's sometimes Absolutely. difficult to wade through all that of saying, well, what is my truth versus what I'm just being told I should want for happiness or fulfillment or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like that for everything. It's like that for, you know, even should you get married? Um, mm. Should you, what kind of work should you do? Um, what if you want to be a stay at home mom? Yeah. Um, all of those things. It, it, there's, it's always teasing apart those filters of, is this something that's really important to me or something that I want? Or is this just what I should want? Because that's what I've been told. Yeah. Because if you follow the should, um, often we're not very happy. Yeah, we feel like we've done our job as far as society wants, but it's not what we really want. And it, it shows up eventually. Absolutely. That's actually when most of the people that I work with come to me because they've done all of these shoulds and they're like, something's wrong with me because I'm yeah. not happy. And I know that I'm supposed to be and I'm like, no, like the blueprint for happiness is not going to be the same for every single person. And we have Absolutely. to peel back all of these layers to really find what your equation is, which is a lot mm -hmm. of the work of enoughness of, of taking off all of those layers of what it means to be enough and you defining it for yourself. Absolutely. I always tell people like you can't actually find a rule book for this. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of the clients that I work with, they come in and they're like, so I've done this, I've done this. Like they've gone through the checklist yeah. of all the things that they're supposed to do to, to feel happy. Um, and they're like, so obviously there just must be something else on this list that I'm missing. So if you could just let me know yeah. what, what that is, I'll do that. And then everything's going to be fine. And so they often are sorely disappointed when it's like, actually, no, this is, this is not a checklist item. Um, yeah. We're going to have to go inside and actually figure out for you what's that look like. Because it's yeah. nothing I can tell you. Exactly. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think for so many of us, when we're really searching for that missing piece, like we're, we want somebody else to give us the answer when it's not in someone else's power to do. Um, it's only an answer that we can provide for ourselves. And so sometimes the work itself is very frustrating because we mm. just, just give me the answer. Just give me the answer. <laughs> like it doesn't work that way. Um, I can give you any answer that you want. But it's not coming from you and it has to come for you from you in order for it to feel right and in order for it to feel aligned in order for it to feel whole. Yeah. Well, and, and when we're searching for the answer, it's actually impossible to be authentic mm. because, again, it's that search for the external benchmark mm. of somebody out there has figured it out. 
And so if, if I can just find that person, if I can just read that book, if I can just take that course and find that, that mystical, magical answer, then I'll become that. I'll do whatever the answer says I need to do. And then everything's going to be okay, yeah. which it's that search for something that you're never going to find. And so that, hence that never enough, because it's always kind of on the horizon mm-hmm. as opposed to just going inside. It's like, you're actually, you're, everything that you need is already there. It's with you today. It's with you at every moment, but we have to stop looking out and start looking in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a very different perspective for a lot of people mm-hmm. to start looking inward for your own answers instead of outside of yourself. I know for me, um, when I first started doing that, it was hard for me to trust that the answers that I was like feeling like I had inside were like real <laughs> and I, like I could trust them. Um, cause it's like the whole concept of like getting in touch with your guidance, like mm-hmm. your internal guidance system. And when you're not used to engaging in that kind of dialogue, you're like, is this just me talking to myself? Is this like my ego talking? <laughs> like, is this real? Like it's really hard to discern. And I think discernment is, it's a practice skill for sure. Mm-hmm learning to tell the difference between ego-based desires and what is really from your soul. Well, and I think too, depending on what growing up looked like for you, um, that can be even more difficult for some. Um, You know, if if, if you grew up in a family where you said, hey, this is how I feel, and they said, no, that's wrong. You're not allowed to feel that way, or you shouldn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, If that happens long enough, you, you really start to override what you know and start looking for, well, is, is it okay if I'm sad right now? Is it okay that I'm angry? Is it okay that I'm frustrated? Um, and so for some people, it's even harder than I think it is for most people um, to really look inside. I mean, I know for me, that was, that was really the, the turning point of when I really started to understand oh, you know what, I can just be upset about this. And it doesn't matter if you think that that's okay. Yes. Like it, was, it was just this big light bulb moment because I'd, you know, I'd grown up with, you know, this is, as, as long as everybody else says you're good, you're good. And it doesn't really matter if you're happy or not. It's mm. actually more important that you're fitting in. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I had a similar was, experience too. Being, yeah. um, I don't know if you have siblings or not, I'm the oldest of four. And so I remember, you know, very early on, like I had to be the big girl. I had to mm-hmm. be, you know, help mom, help dad. And the way that that message was like interpreted in my little small mind is that there isn't enough time or energy for me to really be upset about anything. So I have to be the big girl. I had to kind of keep it all together. And so I took on this responsibility really early on, not knowing that I was doing that. And then later on in adulthood, it was still hard for me to say, it's okay for you to like express your emotions now. Like there's enough room and space here for you to do it because there was a lot of blocks around it just from how I had interpreted all of that growing up. Well, and, I, and for me, I was, I'm an only child mm-hmm. um, and, and we, I was raised on a ranch. So I was literally the only kid most of the time. And so I was, I was kind of raised to be a little adult. Yeah. Um, so there was no room for kind of kid emotions and feelings and all of those types of things. It was just, so the, the praise really came from when I fit in with the adults. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my, my journey was really learning, like, you know, it's okay to actually be irrational every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're a two-year-old. That just actually means that sometimes our feelings don't 
don't always take a straight path and, and that that's okay too. Yeah. Um, because I was, you know, I was a two year old, 30 year old <laughs> when yeah. I was little. Um, and, and so I've, it's, for me, it's been working backwards almost to allow myself to be more playful and to allow myself to have just those, those experiences that, you know, I had, I had a great childhood and yet um, there were some of those, those playful pieces that I didn't really get to have because I was surrounded by a lot of adults. Yeah, no, I get that. And I love the way that you talk about like having to work backwards because that's kind of what I've, I've had to do too, is really learn how to embrace that, that childlike energy that I didn't feel like I got to fully express um, growing mm-hmm. up. And just like you, like childhood was great. Um, I think sometimes we think that, well, I had a good childhood. There's, there's nothing, you know, there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. And it's like, there's nothing, it's not about right or wrong. (laughs) It's about, you know, how you interpreted your experience and who you thought that you needed to be. And so I've done, you know, a lot of reflection on that of who, who little Megan thought she needed to be. And by doing so, you kind of get more in touch with that little playful energy that is so fun and it's so lighthearted and so carefree. It's a great energy to work from. Well, and it's, it, it's one of those things that I'll often be working with people around because there's, there's, there's often too a bit of a, a grief that needs to happen yeah. when you realize that you've hit adulthood and then you, you, you kind of jumped over that part of your life. Mm-hmm. And yet also once you're able to really acknowledge like, yeah, like I didn't get that or that just wasn't my experience, but it's also never too late to go back and get it. Yes. Um, it's always available to you, but, but it does need to then you're working against some of those foundational beliefs yeah. that, you know, that is not okay. It's not okay to, you know, one of the, one of the exercises I'll sometimes get clients to do is I'll make them buy a coloring book and purposely draw outside the lines. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just feel the anxiety that's coming up around the, well, that's not how you do it. Yeah. It's like, you know what, at three, you didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So just go color outside the lines and then whatever comes up, that's often when that voice starts to scream at you of like, you know, that's not how it's done. You have to be this way. You're doing it wrong. Like, and then we can have a real conversation with that yes. part of you, but that's usually the part that's running the show. It's, that's it's keeping you so contained because you never really had the chance to just kind of let it all hang out at some point. Yeah. I love that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We need to embrace (laughs) the mess for sure. (laughs) There's a lot of wisdom to be gained in the mess. It's freeing. So freeing. If if we're always just doing it the the right way, I'm using air quotes for people who can't see me right now. um, Then we actually never innovate. Yeah. the, The key to innovation is doing it differently than the way it's always been done. So if we're looking for the rules, if we're looking for someone else to say, what's the right way to do this, you know, we might become incredibly skilled at doing something a certain way according to what other people think is right. But if we're actually trying to move something forward, if we're trying to create something new, it's going to mean kind of breaking the blocks every once in a while or coloring outside the lines because that's when you find those happy accidents of like, I didn't even know I could do that or I didn't know it could be done that way because no one else has tried. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's such a big piece of the innovative and creative process of being mm-hmm. willing to explore and go outside the lines a little bit. And I think for, for most adults, not all, but for most, we have a lot of, you know, rigid <laughs> <laughs> lines that keep us on the straight and 
narrow. And so it can kind of sometimes feel a little reckless and a little dangerous to kind of go outside the lines. But to me, I think that's so exciting. There's a little bit of like a rebellious nature of like, I'm not going to do it that way. (laughs) (laughs) You're not the boss of me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So moving forward in the conversation about, you know, how this is a foundational piece for, I think, authentic, vulnerable, I'm really balanced leadership. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what part this might play for someone who's really looking to step up into their leadership in a bigger way? Well, the, the thing with leadership is you are uh, at the front of something. And so you're generally going to be pushing against some kind of system, mm-hmm. some kind of belief, some kind of this is just the way things are done. And in order to truly lead, you're going to be doing it differently or else you're just doing it the way it's always been done. Um, And so if you're looking for other people to validate your idea or to validate, you know, your process, it's going to be really hard for you to actually innovate and keep moving forward because you're actually stepping outside of what is considered the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the more we can start to really look at like, what's my vision what's my values or what's the values of my business that I'm creating or what's the values of the company that I work for and how can we advance that conversation as opposed to kind of checking in with all the people who are doing business as usual and getting them on board because they don't want to change. Yeah. So if you're really looking to, to lead and do it differently, there, there does need to be a bit of, we're just going to, we're going to do this differently and we're not looking for approval. We're just going to do it because we know that it works. Yeah. And if you're not looking for approval from others, mm-hmm. you must have a strong inner approval system set up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and, and the thing with that is, I mean, you need to obviously, we, we need to be able to tune into ourselves and just, just trust in ourselves and, and have that process set up. But but it's not always about completely doing it alone. It's about having a community of leaders around you or a community of supports around you, even if they're people that don't understand at all what you're doing, but they just love you and they just think that, you know what, if you say that that's the way to, that, that this needs to be changed, I support you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not about having a hundred of those people. I mean, even if you just have two, three, I mean, sometimes even just one person who can just be your champion and so that you can lean on, um, that's often enough to to keep you going when it it does get tough it's tough when you're trying to change something and and sometimes that internal system that we have gets tired so i think having some kind of community and that can look so different for people is just absolutely imperative no i completely agree i mean one of the main core values that i have in my life and in my business is sisterhood of really bringing women together where you have kind of, and and Brene talks about this in her work too, um, especially when she talks about trust and boundaries, that you have to have a vault. Um, You have to have this safe group of people that you can let it all hang out with and lean on them for that emotional support because change is hard. And I don't think that, (laughs) I don't know where this idea came from that change is supposed to be easy and like lickety split. Like that's not... (laughs) change process at all no. <laughs> um, it is a it is messy as hell and it's it's one step forward and often three steps back you know in the beginning stages and it's difficult and it's vulnerable and it can be extremely uncomfortable 
But the change process itself needs a massive support because you need to know like it's normal, first of Mm -hmm. all, for you to be feeling this way. It's normal for you to fall back into old habits. That's the human way. Yeah. And you have to have people who are there to kind of cheer you on when you do go through those really tough moments of like, I just, you know, I'm ready to give up. Like this is just way too hard. And especially when you're trying to make a change at, you know, any, any type of community level. Yeah. I mean, you're going against a major, major current there. So you better have the support that can, that can hold that space for you to be vulnerable and let it all out and to still know that you're enough. Mm-hmm. Even when you're feeling all of these emotions, that helps you step forward, I think, more boldly in your own leadership. Absolutely. I mean, I, f- I find that kind of the, the ways that we can really, we really move forward is through community. Um, even if it's kind of leaders of different communities leaning on each other, if they're not able to necessarily lean into their own communities, um, or it's just finding that place. And I know with your program, you have, you have the sisterhood. I know with, with, I run a program for therapists, helping them in their business. And we, we have a place where they can actually just say, you know, this is hard. It's really hard being authentic and it's, it's hard. And I don't like the fact sometimes that I have to be the one that just, I'm supposed to have answers and sometimes I don't have them. Mm. Um, and just having a place where you can be completely honest with this is, this is where I'm at. And just, just does anyone else feel the same way? Yeah. Um, not even looking for answers sometimes. It's just more of a, like, I'm not alone here, right? Like, I'm not crazy. This is, this is just really hard, and it's scary putting yourself out there. And, yes, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, something just came up. It's, it's like, it can be tough being human. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that oftentimes we give ourselves enough credit for how difficult it can really be um, because we all have that inner critic. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have our own fears. And we also all have our own dreams and visions. And usually our dreams and visions require us to go right up against fear. And that's not an easy process for anybody. I think that you get better at it the more you do it. And you build a lot more confidence in yourself to, you know, manage fear, to play nice with fear, to recognize fear, to talk to fear and say, you know, I see, I see that you're here, but you're not going to stop me. But it's not to say that it ever feels like warm and fuzzy. (laughs) I think. Oftentimes, like the human desire is that eventually I'm going to be able to master this to the point where it doesn't phase me at all. And you're like, yes, no, because that would be perfect perfection. That would be ideal. And humans, like, that's just not how we operate. Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember I had, uh, I was working with someone once and they were like, okay, so I'm doing the journaling, I'm doing the meditation, um, you know, checked in with my values, I'm doing all these things. This is awesome. I feel the best I've ever felt. Um, so how long do I have to do this for? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you're really not going to like the answer um, for the rest of your life. Yeah. And they were like, what? I'm like, this isn't just a destination. You haven't just arrived. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always going to be that next level. And as soon as we, we start to feel really, really comfortable somewhere, I always say there's like that, the plateau. And then there's just going to be something that's going to be that next challenge. Because if we're not growing, you know, often we're stagnating. So it doesn't mean that we need to constantly be battling our fears and like every second of every day because that's exhausting um, and really nobody wants to live like that. Um, but it's, it's just that, that constant thing of, okay, am I being the person that I want to be today? 
Yeah. Just that is tough. I mean, it's a simple thing to say, but an excruciatingly hard thing to do of in, in every moment, am I being accountable? Mm-hmm. Am I living my values? Am I being the person that I'm proud of being? Um, and inevitably, the answer is not always going to be yes. Right. And then we just get back up and try again. Yeah. And then just repeat that every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. No, but I think that that's like, and, and for me, what I've noticed the moments where I feel like I've arrived the most is mm-hmm. when there's like a high level of acceptance that this is the way it is. And yeah. there is no end to the work. It's, it's yeah. being diligent about the work. It's being devoted to the work. And that in and of itself is arriving every single day mm-hmm. um, for yeah. your own self and saying, it's okay for me to have all of these feelings. It's okay for me to be human. I'm still enough in spite of all that. <laughs> Because I think for so many of us, we try and like perfect self-development and mm-hmm. you're like, you're never going to get there. Like you're going to wear yourself <laughs> out trying to get there. Like stop. Oh yeah. Like stop, stop taking one more course. Yeah. One more, like one, one more book is not going to allow you to reach enlightenment. Like it's, mm-hmm. you're going to learn something. Absolutely. But sometimes you just need to just be in your own skin. Yeah. Um, I had, a, I had a client who, who gave me such a great metaphor and I told her, I was like, I'm stealing that. I'm sorry. Um, where she was talking about how um, she was trying to be more like a tree uh-huh. because, you know, when a tree is a seed, it's perfect. You know, it's, it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. And then when it sprouts, even if it's under the ground, it's perfect. Like we would never be like, Oh, that is a very, like that is not enough. Um, and then once it's above the ground and maybe it only has two leaves, like it's still perfect. And then as it, as it grows and grows and grows and you know, whether it's 10 feet tall or 60 feet tall, it's exactly the tree it was supposed to be that day. Um, and I just thought it was such a lovely way of, of looking at personal growth yeah. that it, always like I will only be enough when I'm a 60 foot tree then the entire journey of life you're never there and so basically the day you die you finally get to be enough and I'm like that does not seem like a good way to live your life yeah so it's just recognizing in every day and every step of our growth that you're exactly where you're supposed to be and there's always room to do it differently but in this moment in this day you have all you need mm-hmm no, I love that. Yeah, I've had, you know, some of my favorite clients, you know, when they really like when people really start digging into the work, there's like this hunger. Um, mm-hmm. There's this hunger to learn. There's this hunger to, to shift perspective. There's this hunger to just absorb knowledge. And that phase is really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and my clients will often say, well, so, so when am I going to be done with this phase? I'm like, you're going to hit an integration <laughs> phase at some point where instead yeah. of absorbing, 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 you're letting all of this just kind of seep in and you're going to notice how it's changed you and you're going to integrate it and it's going to change your perspective on a lot of things. The way you live your life is going to shift Mm -hmm. dramatically. The way you view yourself is going to be changed and you'll stay in this spot until it's that next level where you're ready to take it a little bit further and you'll go through that absorption process. Again, that hunger will be there saying, I want to grow in this direction. And you know, that's, I think the process of growth is that we're all, we always have seasons that we go through. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes we're just so, so hungry, but then we also have to have that time where we're digesting. Yeah. Just letting it all seep in. And how does this, how does this shift me? And then we just continue to go forward and you're enough in every single season. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I know for me, when I really started, you know, doing a lot of my own personal therapy and personal development and a lot of my own training, um, 
I remember thinking like when I hit that, like when I get there and I wasn't sure where there was, but I was, yeah. it was going to be pretty amazing when I got there. And I was yeah. positive there was going to be bells and a parade <laughs> um, and there'd probably be confetti. And I would just like walk through the door and all of a sudden it'd be like, you have arrived. You yes. are enough. Like you, you have got to where you're going. Um, and and I, I told this to my therapist and she just kind of nodded and was like, well, you know, it might look a little different than that. And I was like, no, no, like, I will know. There is going there. to be a um, celebration. <laughs> exactly. Like this is going to be like, everyone will know it. I will know it. It will be magical. Um, and it was really funny for me when I really hit that point of just knowing I was, everything was going to be okay because it was not at all what I thought it was going to be. It was sitting on a couch in my living room watching TV and just all of a sudden having that, that kind of thought go through my mind of like, everything's okay. Yeah. Like, like, this is like, I'm actually, I'm there. Yeah. And then, and it was just kind of like, huh. All right. And then changed channel. <laughs> and I remember going in and talking to her about it. This was of course like years into working yeah. with her. And I was like, Oh, do you remember this? She's like, Oh, I remember that. Like, <laughs> it happened. And there was no parade. It was just kind and of yet, a very small moment of acknowledgement. <laughs> and, and it was just such a grounded moment of like, oh, like this is what it feels like to just fully be because there was, there wasn't a like, I'll be okay when, or if I can just do this one more thing in coaching, or if I can just do this one more thing. Like it was just like, oh, like I'm, I'm there. And, and that was, that was years ago. And I still have my own therapist and I still have my own coach and I still am, you know, pushing to be a better version of myself. And yet the person that I am today, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah. You know, that's obviously I'm talking to you on a good day. There's always days when you're just like, why? Like, (laughs) what's wrong with me? Um, You know, that stuff shows up. I mean, you're never immune to that, but, but those moments, they're so, they're much easier to catch now. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, why, like, why are you saying that? Like, you don't even believe that. Like, you're just being dramatic right now with yourself. Like, okay, like, yeah, you're having a hard, t- hard day and you probably need a nap. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you still feel like this in the morning. We're going to get, we're going to do some serious introspection on this. But right now I think you're just tired and you maybe need some dinner and you're going to be okay. Just, yeah. just calm down. No, so. I love that. And I think, you know, I often say to my clients, because there always comes this point that they say, you know, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's pretty cool, right? And they're like, <laughs> it, it really is. And I, I thought that I was always going for that something like more, mm-hmm. but okay feels really good. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure does. Um, yeah. Because you, you realize that there's this concept of just being, mm-hmm. and there is no, no need to like, I need that one more thing in order to be okay. Like you are, you're okay just as you are. And I think that is such a strong springboard of moving forward, like wholly, but also Mm -hmm. more authentically because we're no longer trying to, to find something to fill some hole, which I think leads to very, um, I don't want to say dishonest desires, but maybe not necessarily aligned desires or kind of desperate desires. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we really become okay, just as we are, 
it awakens us to what our soul really wants. And that's when it gets really juicy and really fun and really magical. And so anytime my client says that to me, I'm like, oh man, next <laughs> year. to get real. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. I'm so excited. So it's just, it's a beautiful process. And I think that oftentimes we, we don't realize how powerful being okay is. Yeah. But it's, that's, every, that's where everything starts. Well, and, and that's where I feel like with, when, when you live your life according to your values, as opposed to when I am this, I'll be okay, or when I get this certification, or when I get this job, or when I have a partner, or when I have a child, or when I have a thing that is outside, because then it, those things, it's not that you just stop wanting them. It's not that they're not important to you, but those are no longer the benchmarks. Yes. Um, I, I know for me, when I started doing that, that work, um, it was really hard for me to, really, to come up with something that I believed that I was no matter what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing with values is your, your values are your values, you know, whether you're you know, in your sweatpants and kind of munching on a bowl of ice cream or mm-hmm. whether you are being your absolute best public self out in the world or whether, you know, whether you're changing the world, it's mm-hmm. something that you're living in every moment, ideally, mm-hmm. or at least aspiring to. Um, and for me, when I, when I first got asked that question, it was really, really difficult for me to come up for, with an answer because I kept finding the exceptions of like, well, you know, I, I think that I'm kind, but there was that time where I wasn't super kind or I think that I missed, but you know, here's this time where I wasn't. And so it, I had to really sit with it for a long time. And eventually the, the, the first word that eventually I was able to really own was brave. Mm. And that was, that was such a kind of pivotal moment for me when I could really sit in that place of like, no matter where I've been in my life, I've always been brave and I've been terrified. Maybe I didn't act on the bravery sometimes, or maybe it took me a while to really step into that moment, but I always kept going. You know, I always, even when I stumbled, I always got back up again. And even when I screwed up, I eventually went back and fixed it, you know? And so that was, that was really a a turning point for me in my life was being able to own that value of, you know what, I'm, I am a a brave person and I believe in bravery. And I think that we all have that inherently in us. And when, and for me, that's something I still fall back on when I'm feeling terrified about putting myself out there or doing something you know, making a, a reach for maybe something that right now feels like, I don't know if I can actually do this is I fall back on the fact, but I'm brave. Yeah. Like, you know, even if I don't get this, that, that doesn't take away the fact that I'm still a brave person, right. whether I get the thing I'm reaching for or not. And I think when we can get to a place of, okay, but what are you even like when the lights are off, that the, what you do during the day, it, it just takes on a different place in your life. Yeah. It's not that they're not important, but it just, it doesn't become the only thing that's important. I agree. I agree. And I love that, you know, and I think Brené talks about this actually, that you can be brave and afraid at the same time. Oh yeah. They don't have to be separate, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, I, I love that. I love that you, you brought that up. Bravery is such a great value to have and to know that as long as you're, you're keeping on pressing on, like that's the most brave thing that you could ever do. Mm-hmm. Uh, just living in, in general, I feel like is just a brave act. I mean, 
it's it's a crazy world and every single one of us we have our own stuff going on and so the fact that we just keep getting up and keep trying i think that that's just it's it's brave you know we we all have that in us but when we can really own you know this is this is who i am this is this is what it means to be alive um you know the rest just doesn't feel so scary yeah i love it so Constance, we're going getting ready to wrap up our conversation today. And are there any last words of wisdom that you would like to share with the listeners on enoughness or leadership or anything that you're just feeling called to share? I think the the big thing that I just I hope people can take away is is often those pieces that 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 make us different or that sometimes we might see as weaknesses they're actually often our biggest strengths. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we try to conform to what we think we're supposed to be, often we're actually cutting off our biggest strengths Mm -hmm. and and the biggest, biggest things we can actually contribute to the world are those, are those quirks or are those workarounds that maybe we've had to come up with because I promise you, you're not the only one. Yeah. Um, and so when we can and just even just reframe our relationship with them of like, you know, the fact that everybody else does it this way and this is the way that I've had to figure out how to do it, like that actually is probably your sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> so leaning, leaning into that as a, and, and letting it be seen as opposed to trying to hide it as if that's a defect. Because mm. it's not. That's actually, that's, that is actually leadership is saying, you know, everyone else is doing it this way. I had to do it differently. And there will be people saying, you know what, me too. And I thought I was the only one. And now yeah. I want to work with you or I want to connect with you. That's your, that's your magic sauce right there. Yeah. Your uniqueness. So to embrace it, I think um, it takes some courage and it takes some work. But man, when mm-hmm. you bring that piece to the table, you're like, oh, how did I keep this away from me for so long? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and it's, I, I can't remember who said it, but it's, it, it is that, that piece around you know, when, when you really allow yourself to be all of who you are and allow that to be seen, you really are giving other people permission to do the same. And so yeah. even if you're not the leader of a corporation or if you're not running your own business, um, if even just being you in the world and truly being you, like that's actually leadership yes. because you're not everybody's doing that. Right. And so just allowing yourself to just truly embrace all of who you are, you're actually starting a revolution. Mm. So. <laughs> yes. So, you brought that full circle, girl. I love it. <laughs> Constance, thank you so much for being here with me today. And for all of our listeners, thank you for sharing this space with us as we really just dug into to enoughness and leadership and starting your own revolution. So we will see you back on the enoughness revolution very soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on the Enoughness Revolution. If today's episode rocked your world or added value to your life, I'd love for you to let us know by leaving a quick review on iTunes. The Enoughness Revolution is a global conversation for owning who we are as women and owning who we are as leaders. If you're ready to break free from the destructive stories of not enough and step boldly into your own leadership, visit me at megan-hale.com for one-on-one coaching, group programs, and courses all designed to empower you to lead. Until next time, you're beautiful, you're powerful, you're capable of achieving everything you desire. Claim your enoughness, sister, and unleash the fierce feminine leader within.